Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. I want to share today, um, and I've titled it, He Wants Our Hearts, um, because this week God's just been speaking with me more and more as I've just been spending time with him about he actually loves just spending time with us. I don't know about you, but uh, so often we forget the simplicity of that relationship. It's not about the doing, it's about the being. That was going to be my title. But then I thought, well, hang on, then, then we just think we have to lay like dead fish all day and just be and not do anything. So then I, I, I figured out that he actually just wants our hearts. And once he's got our hearts and we've got his, then we'll actually want to go and do something with it. And so Martin Luther had this great line that he said, whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is really your God. What what our hearts cling to, what we give our time to, what we meditate on, what we think about, what we stress about, what we give space in our lives to, that's really our God. And so many of us, and that, that line's not meant to convict us here this morning because that line is relevant for all of us. For all of us, what are we, what are we giving our energy to? That's our God. Now, of course, you have to go to work, you have to study, you have to look after family, you have to do all those practical things at life. But what really at the core of who we are, what does our heart cling to? I want to look at a couple of areas today because I was trying to think and I was even looking up some definitions of the heart and I actually got a lot of physiological explanations about the makeup of the muscle, the heart. And that's not what I was looking for. I couldn't find too much actually to define what is our heart. I found plenty of stuff on spirit, on our soul, on our body, soul being made up of three compartments. And, but I couldn't actually find a lot really defining the heart. And so... I actually thought I'll come up with three things that I think define our heart. The Bible talks a lot about the heart. We talk a lot about the heart. But what does it really mean? What do we actually mean when we say, oh, that person's got heart or I'm giving my heart to this thing? Well, then I want to just, and these are not scientifically proven, so don't check me on any of these things. But these are just things that for me run through a good de uh, description of the heart. The first one is the inner being, the inner being. The second one is our desires. And the third one is our behavior. Now, I'm sure if we did a survey this morning, you'd come up with three completely different ones. But let me cover off these things. And I think you'll agree that the Word of God is really clear about the heart. In this first one, in the inner being, when uh, Samuel was trying to pick Saul as the future king, um, it says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And we can see there that the Lord is intent on our inner being. He doesn't care about your socks or your lack of. 
He doesn't care how tight your pants are. You know, Ryan's getting a bit more air in his pants these days. They're not as tight as they used to be. <laughs> Louisa's influence, he said. There it is. Oh, she doesn't let him. Okay. My mum used to call them spray-ons or stovepipes. Stovepipes, I remember that term. The Lord doesn't care about all that stuff, does He? We put so much emphasis on it. We put so much emphasis on, on so many things. But the Lord all the while is looking at our heart. He's looking at our inner being. And I think this, this passage here where Samuel's really wanting to appease the people because the people wanted a king and Samuel's actually put in that place where he's like, all right, I'm just going to give him something. Often out of compulsion, we make wrong decisions. Have you ever noticed that? When you're under pressure, when people are pressuring you, you just make a decision anyway. And, and sometimes it, it turns out to be a really bad decision. And under that pressure, here we see Samuel, a prophet of God, even feeling under that compulsion and that pressure to give the people a king because they're crying out for a king. They wanted a leader and the Lord wanted to be their leader rather than a man. And in the end, Samuel's like, okay, well, let's just give him something. Okay, so we'll go and pick the most obvious flesh uh, given thing that we can pick in the sense of the best thing that will appease the people and we'll get something that looks right, but it wasn't right. Saul wasn't right. He was a fake. And in the end, it turned, it out, turned out pretty bad, didn't it? And so sometimes when we're actually going after the thing in appearance, we're going after the look of something, unless it's got the Lord's heart on it, it's not going to bear good fruit. The second area... Actually, I want to just say something on that actually also. And that is that I was thinking about this, that, that Satan will pretty much take anything he can get from us. Yes, ultimately, he wants our downfall and, and as many others' destruction as he possibly can. And, but realistically, he's very cheap. He'll, he'll take words he'll take actions he'll take he doesn't really care if we're sold out to him so to speak he'll take compromise he'll take confusion he'll take deceit he'll take little sin big sin if that's a thing he'll take anything he can get but the lord is concerted about one thing and one thing only and that is your heart he is concerned if other things get in the way but ultimately if we look at the life of David, King David, he was an incredible man of God who had massive downfalls of some of the greatest caliber that we could think of in, in modern Christianity. Uh, if people have those kind of downfalls like David did in, in today's Christianity, they have a very, very hard time ever getting respect back. But the Lord looks at the heart. I wonder when we get to heaven, who we're actually going to see there whether it might shock us a little bit, and who we're going to get seeing rewarded and who we're not going to get seeing rewarded. Because if we look at this example of Saul, Samuel was a prophet who anointed King Saul, but he did it based on his appearance. He still got the office. Or if you like, he still got the prominence. He still got the church. He still got whatever he was after. And people were happy, but the Lord wasn't happy because he saw his heart. 
And when we know our inner being, when we know our weaknesses in our inner being, and we know our strengths in our inner being, we become a very honest human being. It's interesting as I'm talking more and more to business people and business owners, I'm realizing that in the business world, you don't last very long if you have an inflated view of yourself. But in Christian circles, you can go years having an inflated view of yourself. And it's one of those things that sometimes when we know our inner being and we know Christ and we hear His voice, we actually hear a humbling voice over our lives, which helps filter out those inflated views sometimes. Now, the opposite is also true. Many Christians have a deflated view of themselves. Especially ladies, a lot of ladies who have suffered rejection have a very deflated view of themselves. And so we have this this issue in Christianity, if you like, where some have an inflated view, some have a realistic view, and some have a deflated view. And it's probably 33% on all three. And it's one of those areas that we, in when we know Christ and we hear His voice, then we actually get a realistic voice over our heart. And so for some who uh, all they've heard is negativity and rejection about themselves, they begin to realise, hang on, the Father of heaven and earth is not saying that about me. He's actually saying, lift up your eyes, lift up your countenance. You're not rejected. He's claimed you. He loves you. He wants you. He's gifted you. And he's, He wants you to see that you're not rejected anymore. So don't live rejected. Don't walk like that anymore. Don't talk like that anymore. No one, has, no one has authority over you other than Christ if you've given your life to Him. And He's not rejected you. And on the other side, I know this is not, not so good, but you get the odd person who goes around and they, they've, they're filled with themselves. They won't listen to anyone else. They're filled with their own revelations and they're filled with their own opinions. And these type of people, you know, they, they live in a bubble called themselves and it's very full of themselves. And they're the type of people that we want to we wanna just pop their bubble from time to time <laughs> and say, would you just shut up and listen? Just a minute, one minute. That's all I need, one minute. But most of us are so polite, we, we, we smile away. And that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But Christ will give us a centred reality when we listen to Him. I believe that. I, I believe that when I spend time with Him and I let Him speak to me or when I look at Him in my you know, imagination and when I spend time with Him, when I read His Word, it's a very balancing effect. It has a very balancing effect on the soul. Because if I'm, in fe- if I'm feeling a bit inflated on myself, I quickly get humbled. If I'm feeling a bit deflated, I quickly get lifted up. So in our inner being, God wants us to be balanced human beings. You're never as bad as the enemy wants you to think. When, when you're in, maybe you've been involved in some sin or there's been some stuff or negativity or just thoughts that are coming to you, this is the enemy's plan to bring you down from God's purposes. And I want to encourage you, I just feel to stress that this morning, that anyone here who suffers from that, that negativity or that feelings of rejection, it is Christ who has accepted you. You're not perfect, I'm not perfect, but He is. So you are connected to a perfect God, man, a perfect one. 
a perfect one. And when we become in his bloodline, we actually get his bloodline in ours, which we become royalty with him. And so all that rejection can just begin to wash away. It might take some time, might take some forgiveness. But as you look into his eyes, not any eyes of man or someone else, not looking to anyone else for satisfaction, Jesus Christ will bring that strength and that security. When we talk about the heart, one area that I've noticed, and the more and more we walk with the Lord and maybe you begin to share share your faith more and step out and do things hanging around Christians, non-Christians, whoever in different circles, one little um, caution I want to put in there, and that is we need to protect our heart. Thomas More said, And the heart that is soonest awake to the flowers is always the first to be touched by the thorns. Isn't that interesting? Now just think about that for a minute. It's true, isn't it? It is very true, Rachel. I agree with you. And the heart that's soonest awake to the flowers is always the first to be touched by the thorns. In other words, those who wear their heart on the sleeve, they're going to feel the presence of God. They're going to feel the joy, the celebration. They're the life of the party. They're the ones who are just amazing to be around until when something's going wrong and they're the first to be touched by their feelers. Feelers. Put your hand up if you're a feeler in this room. Yeah, it's a great thing. Karen's a feeler. And uh, it's, a, it's a great thing. I used to not like feelers. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, because I, <laughs> I would say that if Karen were here. But because I thought feelers were un, unreliable, untrustworthy. <laughs> because they're up one minute, and then they're down the next. It's like, can't please be balanced. And so... Yes, Karen is fine with me saying this. We joke about this stuff all the time. And we've now accepted one another's gifts and talents as they are. But it's helpful to talk like this sometimes because then we actually get each other. Sometimes we, we especially in, in couples, you can be so off each other's page and just not getting each other because you're both trying to make each other like each other. And that's not what we're meant to do. And, uh, and so this, in this area, I've realised actually the feeler is a gift. It's a gift. And it's one of those things that sometimes I've learned I'm to protect the gift. And sometimes she'll speak up and share with me and I'll, I'll get a little bit like, okay, that's good. And we'll work together. And so working together in that gift is very, very powerful. But when you're not working together in that gift, it is a pain in the rear end. Because it's, it all goes haywire. One's feeling, one doesn't want to feel, and it's just like, get me out of here. It's crazy. Anyway, back to Thomas More. If you are a feeler, I want to encourage you, keep feeling. Feel the presence of God. Sense what's going on. Get in touch with the gift of the Spirit of God. Because a lot of people who are feelers, 
you, you see people who are fearless out in the world. In fact, uh, I was listening on the radio to the Fringe Festival that's coming up, uh, you know, in a few months' time, and, and they're all fearless. All the people on the radio are just fearless, all of them. Uh, they're gifted, they're talented, they're artists, they're flamboyant, they're crazy. They're incredibly gifted fearless, but a lot of them, their feeler is slightly off north. They're not on Christ, but Christ's the one who gave them that gift of feeling in the first place. So it's our job to lead those people, feelers and non-feelers, into true north, into Christ. And the people who are feelers, instead of getting hurt and wounded and rejected and then thinking everyone's bad, actually they'll learn how to operate in that gift and rise up in that gifting in strength, sometimes staying quiet, sometimes speaking, sometimes praying, sometimes interceding and and learning how to mature in that gift. Um, Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, the feeler's good on you. Awesome. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The more influence you get, the more you're going to need to guard your heart. The more people you meet and people you hang around and share with and and as God promotes you and gives you more, the more you'll have to learn how to guard your heart. Because some people will take advantage of you, some people will take advantage of your heart, and others, well, they won't care. I, I think it was really amazing this week at the arts extravaganza that we had here. And um, it was a phenomenal night. I have to say, if you've never come to one of these things, you have to come to one. Uh, I mean, uh, I keep wanting to call Henry Alonga Joseph Alonga. I don't know whether his middle name's Joseph or something, but Henry Alonga, uh, the former Zimbabwean cricket player who happens to be an opera singer, uh, performed and and sang and it was just an incredible performance and all of the incredible students just uh, showing off all sorts of gifts and talents in the area of arts. A lot of them are fearless. A lot of them are fearless and they'll have to learn how to guard their hearts. But God's put in them a treasure to know how to sense the presence of God because that's ultimately what fearless are meant to do is sense the presence of God. Often Together with a feeler gifting comes a prophetic gifting. And so learning how to not just remain in the feeler realm. Oh, no, I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling that. I don't like that person. I like that person. I like this. I don't like that. That's just staying in the feeler realm. To take it into the prophetic realm, you need maturity. And you need the Spirit of God. I fear, dare I say it, that a lot of stuff in charismatic circles, especially if it's not strongly accountable, uh, in river, renewal, revival circles, a lot of it remains at the feeler level. And what I mean by that is they are feeler people operating in the feeler realm and they are sensing stuff, yes, but it hasn't yet gone into the prophetic because the prophetic reveals something no one else knows. And yet I actually I watch a lot of stuff even in the prophetic realm and I hear prophetic words and I think, well, blind Freddy knows that. That's not prophetic, that's feeler. It's, it's not knowledge that no one else has got. It's not understanding that's revealed by the Spirit of God to you in a prophetic specific gifting. And I say this because we love the prophetic. We want the prophetic. But to truly be prophetic, you've got to go beyond feel a realm. To truly be prophetic, you actually need to seek out the Spirit of God who reveals mysteries to us. 
And in revealing those mysteries, we get treasures that we can prophesy, that we can understand, interpret dreams. We can do stuff that is not normally available. It's called supernatural. Now that word is bandied around everywhere these days in so many circles and yet we see so little of it. You ever thought about that? We see so little of the actual supernatural stuff, but we hear a lot of talk about it. And we love it. I I love it. I still read. I listen to podcasts. I go up. I ask the Lord for greater supernatural giftings and gifts of the Spirit. But we still see so little. I believe that's probably because we're still at a stage where we're not into the office of the prophetic gifting the way God has intended us to operate in the kingdom, in maturity, So we're beyond fearler. We're beyond just sort of, you know, getting offended at someone and then, you know, having this scenario go on. Actually, that's still at fearler realm. It's called baby realm. But Paul says, come on, guys, I want to give you some solid food. I want to give you solid food to eat, give you some meaty stuff. What about about if we really had some sharp prophetic edge people that, didn't care about themselves and their ministries and their circulation and their Facebook fan club and all of these different things, which there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But I'm talking here specifically to crystallise the heart of God, what I believe to the heart of God. And that is that we don't want anything from Him. We don't want anything from Him. The pure prophetic or pure gifting means it's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. And don't you just desire that, to, to see someone that's just so real and so, so uh, given over that it, doesn't, it, it just doesn't really matter. It, it really is genuinely about Jesus. Sometimes when you've been a Christian for 20 years, you can actually just operate in a realm. It's just like, okay, you've been hurt, you've been burnt, you've been hurt, you've been burnt, you've been disappointed, you've had some highs and lows, highs and You had a, enough highs and lows that... All the tooth are knocked off your saw. Do you know what I mean by that? A saw has saw tooth like that. You get them all knocked off. So you just become like this. You don't expect anything anymore. Don't expect any breakthrough. Don't expect any faith. Don't expect any real demonstration. Why? Because you've seen it before. You've heard it before. You've, you know, you've flipped and flopped and fallen and raised up and all that sort of stuff. But the genuine sharpness of the Spirit isn't there like it used to be. Do you know what? God hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. The Word of God is exactly the same. Even though all our experience might have changed our opinions, the Word of God is still a double-edged sword. It's as sharp as anything and it will pierce. And all the disappointments are just the disappointments in man. They're just the disappointments in man. Or woman, because you're allowed to be politically correct these days. It's both. That's the disappointments, not in Christ, not in Jesus, the pure one, our saviour, our redeemer, our healer. He still wants to flow in supernatural power in your life and in my life like never before. All the disappointments racked up don't matter to him. I think they're kind of like failed attempts, aren't they? (laughs) I heard someone say recently they've had to pray hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times for someone just to see a breakthrough, but it got them to, to the breakthrough. And so they focus on the breakthrough, not the hundreds and hundreds of times. And it can be like that for us. 
But along the journey, we have to guard our heart so that A, we're not getting bitter, we're not getting harsh, we're not getting disappointed, but also so that the wrong people can't hurt us. And this is something that you have to do as leaders in any dimension of life is you have to guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. It's the place that Christ flows from. Our life flows out of that place. I want to speak really quickly about these last two, desires. Psalm 37.4 says, Take delight in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. It's interesting that it's very important to say, take delight in the Lord first. It doesn't just say He'll give you the desires of your heart. But He does say, if you take delight in Him, He'll give you the desires of your heart. I believe that's a confusing passage if you, if you don't think about it. If you just take it as this, well, I'm delighting in the Lord. I give my life. I give my tithes. I come to church. And then why isn't anything happening for me? Why aren't things breaking open? I think the key is in take delight in the Lord. As in, when we take delight in Him, He will give us the desires of our heart, but they become His heart or His become our heart whichever way around you want to say it. So we start desiring the things that He's desiring. We start walking with the Father and, we, and He says, hey, go and do that thing now. Go and do that thing now. There's, uh, and Karen and I, it, as we've said a few times, we're going to start a health retreat. And um, it was interesting for me because I'm also looking at some business opportunities and things and I'm looking at the sum of money to do this health retreat. And we came to the stage where where we, we just sat one day and we talked and went, well, we could go and do this business things and we could maybe make a lot of money, hopefully, who knows, <laughs> maybe lose a lot of money, you never know. But we could go and do this sort of thing or we could do this health retreat and, and maybe actually make some kingdom impact for the rest of our lives on who knows how many hundreds or thousands of people who need to come and get healed. And so we chose that option. Uh, I felt guilty when we put it like that. But, but that's the desires of his heart. I'm not saying don't step out in business or do great exploits. Go for it. Buy Bitcoin, whatever you need to do. But I'm sorry if you lost money on Bitcoin last year, but Keith's, Keith and I have a little ongoing joke about that. But hang on, hang on, hang on. The surge is coming. Anyway, um, that's my feeler eccentric side speaking there. I believe he changes our desires into his desires. That's what I'm trying to say. So that when we actually look at things, we go, well, Lord, what do you want? What do you want? And then he gives us his heart and we desire what he wants. We actually desire those kingdom things. Our behaviour is the last thing. James 2.18 says, Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. Now this is a very, very argued passage. Very argued passage. I've heard, I think it was Martin Luther who actually said, the book of James is the book of straw, as in he placed no strong emphasis on it because he didn't like it, <laughs> because it went against the justification by faith and faith alone. And so we don't dampen down that revelation. That revelation is absolutely real and was the reforming message in the last 500 years. But our faith is followed by works. Just like in the previous passage, we have take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. He actually turns our heart into His. And it's the same with this passage. He actually then turns our acts into His. So we begin doing things that He's asked us to do. We begin acting out of the Father, if you like, 
of heaven's plans and purposes. So instead of just doing our selfish ways and purposes and just doing everything uh, to fill our own life and cycle and plan and purpose, we actually listen to Him and we begin doing His works. And then our faith becomes evident to people around us. It becomes real. It becomes tangible, even in the most smallest little ways. And I think that it's so fascinating to me when I think of heaven and I think of how interesting it's going to be at who's sitting up close to Jesus. And I I think of some people that we've never, ever, 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 ever heard of. And they're going to be packed out up there because they've all been martyred in India or Africa somewhere. And they might have only been born again for a month, but they went and preached the gospel and got beheaded. And, And I just think, wow, I mean, they deserve it. They deserve it. But God loves every single one of us the same. He gives all of us opportunities here on earth to have faith and works. And so I want to leave this little resonating challenge, not a, not a heavy one, but just about your life. What legacy do you want to leave? What are you building now for the kingdom? What are you building in Him? Ultimately, the main thing that He wants is your heart. If you haven't given your heart to Jesus, then this morning's a perfect opportunity to give your heart to Him. Maybe you have, but you've strayed away from Him and you've gone off track and you're not staying with His plan. Then this morning, it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I want to walk with you. I want you in my life. I give up everything else. I need you today. And He is with you. And it's as simple as that. You begin walking with Him. You talk with people. You come to church. You get strengthened. You get uplifted in Him. But ultimately, He is after your heart and my heart. And so I want to encourage you just to get rid of some. I've just got this little ruby here. I know it's not a supernatural one. Do you know what? It's not. It's a bit of tinsel. I'm glad I didn't say the glory is just falling in the place, you know. See, I've been disappointed over the years. I'll be honest with you with some of the the glory claims and you find out, oh, there was a children's event during the week and there was tinsel sprinkled all over the place. (laughs) Anyway, God knows. (laughs) We want the real thing though, don't we? You know, and God wants the real thing too. He wants your heart. He wants my heart. And when we give over to Him, you know, He wants the real thing. He wants the authentic power to be released on earth. And we need it. We need it. We've all heard false claims. We've all had disappointments before. It's not the meaning of my message today, but I think you're with me. I'm feeling your warmth on that point. Let's stand. 